Welcome to the Money and Soul podcast with your money expert, Michael Feiner, and your soul expert, Rabbi Dr. Baruch Halevi, Rabbi B. In this podcast, we will explore hot topics, complex issues, and proven strategies at the intersection of our lives where the financial meets the spiritual. Yes, they can intersect. Yes, we need them both. And yes, you can grow financially and spiritually. And in this podcast, that is exactly what we will empower you to do. And now, on to the show. So welcome to the Money and Soul podcast. This is where we explore the crossroads of financial and spiritual. And I am with my friend and my financial guru, Michael Feiner. Hey, Mike. Thanks, sir. Thanks for having me, B. Well, I don't have to, you don't have to thank me to having you because this is our shared podcast. And in the well, past, it was you joining me. I know, but you're you're kind of still the, the boss of the podcast. So you're the drive, really driver behind this. So I appreciate making me part of this. Well, I'm, I'm married and I have four kids. So it's nice to finally be a boss somewhere. So I'm just <laughs> bossed around all day. So um, I am Baruch Levy, Rabbi B. And uh, Michael and I, um, Finer Wealth Management and Soul Centered, have joined together. We've been, uh, in many ways, partnering in different areas in life over 15 years now at this point. Um, we go way back, but we wanted to formalize it. As many or some of you might know, we piloted a couple episodes of a precursor to money and soul. I think we were calling it uh, Money and Meaning. And we changed it only because if you look at podcasts, um, there's just a lot of money and meanings, but there's no money in soul. And actually, I think, Mike, you tell me, once we came upon that title, it was like, uh, aha, right? It really kind of hits on two sides of the coin, if you will, um, of what we want to touch upon, which is money, financial, and all things related, and soul, spiritual, and all things related, and really staking our claim at the crossroads that intersection between financial and spiritual. Does, does that make sense? Does that resonate? No, that resonates completely because there is that, you know, an important intersection between the soul and money, because as, as we discussed before, you know, money as a, a potential vehicle to reach really the goals of the soul and not the other way around. And that intersection is, is critical to people's journeys. It totally is critical. And I think it's one of those areas where people almost at first feel like it's a oxymoron or it's like, you know, oil and water. These things don't go together. They don't mix. And in my experience and the world I come from of Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism and other spiritual practices, that's just not the case. These are sophisticated spiritual traditions that lived in the real world, that dealt with real world things. And there's nothing more real world and part of our real life than money. So if we can't integrate these things, then we live these compartmentalized life. I do money over here and spirituality over here. That's not the world I come from. It's not the world I want to live in. And I feel like this podcast really is going to help a lot of people live at the intersection as opposed to either or. I think you're exactly on target because they are so interrelated. They're not, you know, they're, they're interdependent, mm -hmm. they're not mutually you know, non-dependent, they, it, you know, money often is the fuel to, you know, I said the vehicle for lack of a better analogy. I mean, it, it's so important to look at the combination of, of these two issues because 
you can look at it the other way. Without money, life can be very difficult and in a soul-searching way. But with money, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to reach all of your, you know, your meaning in your soul. Absolutely. There's a saying in the Talmud, in Kemach, in Torah, that if there's no bread, there's no deeper learning. And that bread doesn't just come from nowhere. It comes from effort and work and being part of the real world. And so we, we need both. We can't live without both. And that's what this uh, podcast, I believe, has uh, come to, why it's come together and what we've set out to do. So I thought maybe in this first podcast, as we spoke a little before we came on air, we could talk about our why. We're going to have, God willing, a lot of podcasts together, many more. And we'll talk a lot about how, because I know you and I both want to not just have theory, but actionable um, takeaways from these podcasts. And yet, I think the starting point isn't on the how and the what and the, you know, it's more of the why, or as Dr. Frankel, my teacher, um, author of Man's Search for Meaning, who I'll quote a lot, said, got him through his time. He was a Holocaust survivor and really not only carried him, but others like him, whether they could say the following statement or not, they, they felt it, they found it inside themselves. And it's based on Frederick Nietzsche, the philosopher, one famous line, and it says he, or we'll say she, who has a why to live for can endure any how. I'll say it one more time. He or she who has a why to live for can endure any how. And the hows are important, but the why is the starting point. So you and I talked about kicking off 2022, since it's right after the New Year's, with not how, but why, and why we're setting out right now, this time of COVID, this time of economy, all this flux. What's our why? And what do we want to communicate to our growing money and soul tribe? I, I think that's a, a perfect summary because people spend an inordinate amount of time dealing with the how, the mechanics, the tactics, 99% of their time wondering, like, how do you make more money? And they don't explore what is the vision, what is the why, what is the end state of, of everything. And I think you're absolutely right. If you get the vision right, if you get the why right, if you get your purpose right, and it's not an easy task by any stretch, and that is very hard actually in many ways. If you get that right, it's much easier to drive everything else, you know, to that why, and it makes it, it makes you more, you know, resilient to get to the why. Absolutely. I have spent so much of my life not articulating the why, pursuing down the path, only to figure out that if I would have spent a little more time on the why, I wouldn't have to backtrack, right? Go back to the basics, go in a different direction. And so although it takes energy and resources to, you know, to have a conversation and figure out your why, it is well worth it. It is time well spent. And so before we really go down this track and, you know, communicate the how we're going to, we're going to talk about the why. I also think, and you said this before we came on air now more than ever, we need to articulate our why because we're bombarded every day with hows and, and fluctuating like unparalleled, unprecedented hows, the economy, COVID. I'm here in Colorado, just down the street. Uh, unfortunately we had fires as everybody knows, devastating fires, uh, politics, just flip on the news. Like there's so much flux. There's so much noise. There's so many, new and changing hows that I think now more than ever, we need to really get clear about our why. Absolutely. We, we definitely need the North Star of 
to guide us through the night of this chaos. We're in a chaotic time. Not that all times aren't chaotic, right? I mean, you can probably always say throughout history, it's chaos. Um, but this particular time sounds, it feels more chaotic than even any time I, I can remember. I've, you know, fought in Iraq. I've done things in my life. You've done things. But this persistent COVID situation for the world seems like the most daunting thing that we've, we face for so many reasons, partially because we can't control it. Mm-hmm. And as a result, during this chaos and in, in, in during the fog and, and the darkness, and as you said, the, the noise, you really need a beacon to find your way because it's so easy to get distracted anywhere from, from politics to um, obviously health related issues, to financial related issues, to, to financial issues. And I, I think it's so important to be able to be able to look day to day every morning, be able to get up and say, this is what I'm focused on. This is why I'm doing what I have to do and have a reason to get through what can be really difficult uncertainty. Such a good point. Who, who was it that said in times like these, you can always be certain that there are always times like these. I forget who it was. It was, it was a military figure. It, it, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like General Eisenhower who said, you know, um, it's not, it's not the plan that counts. It's the planning that counts, you know, because, you know, you make a plan and sort of a general patent, you know, idiom in the plan, you know, fails on first battle, right? But the planning is important. Same, same idea that it's not that the plan's going to work because there can be too many variables, but knowing, you know, that you have an end point and knowing that you're going to get there somehow may not be a straight line is, is I think, very, very critical. And even doing this podcast for me has been, you know, very important because I realized how hard it is even for myself to think about, I have some obvious whys, but focusing even more to think about it constantly is very, very helpful. It's, it's so true. You know, people comment, I have a another podcast, The Defined Spirit and Soul Centered, and I'm, I'm putting out a lot of content and people say, you know, like, how do you do that? It's, it's not a how for me, it's a why. Like, this is how I sharpen my axe, was Abraham Lincoln. If I had five hours to cut down a tree, I'd spend four hours sharpening my axe. Like, this, this is for me, how I articulate my why so that when I go out into the world, onto the battlefield, and battle plans change, I've exhausted the process. Maybe I haven't thought of everything and I certainly haven't thought of everything, but I, I have this kind of muscle, this strength of, it's an empowerment, right? I feel empowered. So I don't know what's coming at me, but I feel empowered by this process. Like we're trying to help others empower them to do their own similar process, not to have the answers, but to have the muscles necessary to be out on the battlefield to adapt when those plans change. I, I think you're exactly right, because when I do financial plans with people, the problem isn't doing the financial planning or the math or knowing the numbers. The problem is actually getting someone to tell me what they really want or need or what their goals are. And you'd be surprised. So someone may say, I'd like to retire. Okay. Well, everyone would like to retire. I'd like to be wealthy. Yeah. 
But why? Mm-hmm. Do you want to be retired but not healthy? Do you want to be retired when you're, you know, maybe you can't do all the things that you want to do? You know, you want to be financially independent? For what purpose? Is it to help your children? Is it to travel? Is it to help charities? So there's always that part is much harder to, people don't think about it because certain things are sort of obvious, right? They just, the normal stuff of life. I, I also think that the big things are oftentimes so big that people think you, you don't like have answers to um, why you want to retire or spirituality. I find this all the time too. It's just something that happens. Like you can't do anything to bring it about. It's you either are, or you're not, and you're either, you know, wealthier, you're not, but there's just, there's a lack of, um, of, of nuance there, of sophistication, of approaching it like you would every other area of your life responsibly. How many of those clients of yours, because I have the same clients, you know, people I guide to find meaning, you guide to help manage their money. And how many of them got to the place they are in life, successful, having accumulated wealth, probably through running businesses or being professionals or having jobs. How many of them ran their business like that? We, we don't know why. Like, we don't know why our business is what it is, does what it does. They don't have a mission statement, none of them. Every single one has a mission statement for their business. Then you, then I say to them, because I, I push people to have a personal mission statement, like a professional mission statement. And I say, well, okay, Mr. Billionaire run a multi-billion dollar corporation. What's your personal mission statement? What's your why? They look at me with a blank stare. How is it that you run your business with a clearly articulated why, but you haven't really thought about your personal why, retirement, right? Why do you want to be retired? Because I counsel these people when they get to retired, then they come to me and they say, now what? It's not what I thought it was. I don't want to just sit here. Yeah. I think there's sort of this default, you know, default stages of life, right? It's easy when you're younger, um, you go to high school, maybe it's automatic that you might go to college or pursue the military or have a trade. That's easy. You might think maybe I'll get married, have kids, and then I retire. You have the stages. That's as much as people think about that's the way life is until, you know, what you've brought to me and is sort of the ancient wisdom part of all this, whether it's the Kabbalah or Greek philosophers who seem to be much more reflective of thinking about the why of everything and thinking about thinking. And I don't think we, we're self-reflective anymore as certainly as a society, as, as the ancients were thinking about these bigger issues of, well, why are we doing anything that we do? I'm starting to think about even the daily things, not just the long-term, but why, why do I do what I do? Why do I live where I live? How am I affecting others? Am I helping people in the right way when I help them financially? All that is, is powerful to really start to think about. And like you said, the, for, for clients, it seems like it's the first time we're discussing it. Let's, let's write down your, what, what's your vision. Mm-hmm. I can always get a few goals out of people, but really the big stuff is, is tougher. Yeah. Um, I was just talking to a gentleman who is a money manager himself. He's done very well. And he keeps talking about this, this missing piece in his life. 
And what we looked at was the allocation of his resources and resources aren't just money, it's time, it's energy, it's, you know, like we have finite resources in our lives. And we realized, or what he realized that I knew and helped him get to is that one more move of the decimal, right, to the left, wasn't going to change his life. But if he did, if he put in some time with his, his grandchildren, right? That was going to change his life. And time is the most valuable resource this guy has. And he just hadn't stopped because he'd been caught up in this race, right? The, this race, this, to, and, and at one point that served a purpose. That was his why. I'm going to run the race so that I can accumulate wealth so that I can send my kids to college and give them a foundation to stand upon. But what happens when they have the foundation and you're still trying to provide a foundation and they're looking at him saying, grandpa, we don't want money. We don't want a college trust fund. We want you. We want you to read us a book. So this guy has been shifting his energy, his resources in a different direction. And he's he's lighting up. He's feeling it. He feels wealthier, even though he's giving up a decimal point. Of course. I mean, you know, we have so many stories, you know, like that. That Unfortunately, people get on a path. They get rituals. They, they think they're you know, doing the things and the other things will automatically manifest out of say building a business or building wealth or whatever, but it doesn't. That's, that's what people don't realize that you actually have to put the work in for these other pieces. Just because you have more money doesn't mean your family is going to look to be happier or that you'll, you'll do the things that create memories because you know, you have things. It certainly is an enabler for, for sure. It helps in, in many ways, right? It's, 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 it's definitely helpful. It's not, underestimate, you know, some of these pieces, but true fulfillment and, and true purpose and, and happiness uh, is, is a task in and of itself that you have to really think about and work on in, in whatnot. Yeah. And I listened to a few podcasts and kind of researching um, for our money and soul podcast. And there's a lot of money podcasts that, you know, teach you how to make money or handle your money. There's a lot of soul spiritual meaning podcasts that really, I found um, denigrated money, right? It, it made it dirty or made it um, less than equal. The, the spirituality money. I mean, there was a clear hierarchy. And I just want to make sure and you reminded me, that it's not either or one is not better than the other, because I have had many conversations with People a little bit earlier in the journey, 30s, 20s, 30s, maybe 40s, who it's time for them to buckle down. It's time for them to create their own wealth. You know, it's easy to be spiritual. I would talk to one kid who was seeking spirituality on, on, on mom and dad's dime, and he couldn't find what he was looking for. I said, because you live on their couch, you're sitting in meditation, but you don't have a job. Like that, there's an energy imbalance. It's time for you to accumulate wealth as part of your responsible path in this lifetime. You need both. You've just said something critically important there, which is the imbalance of energy, because money is really just the it's it's a way to you know um, count or or add or subtract really the energy that you put into work. In, in many ways, you know, now you can work hard in, in two different fields and make more or less money. But the bottom line is it's an expenditure of, of energy also mm -hmm. for what purpose? And the other thing that, that you said that is, is I think 
almost the most important thing that you've always said and I love is the Abraham Lincoln, you know, if I had five hours, I'll sharpen the, the ax for four hours. You know, sharpen the saw, if you will, in kind of the seven habits of highly effective, you know, people. Um, that that part of it of thinking about the pieces and being efficient with what you do in a reason to do things and not just be a robot on autopilot thinking that if you do this one path, it will give you the other pieces. You have to do the work to get the other pieces. We're going to have many podcasts on that topic um, of energy because I was just listening to um, a teacher, great book, uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin on, I forget what it's something about creating wealth and the value in ancient biblical values. But he said something so interesting that was like an aha, and you've heard it so many times, you know, I never thought about it. What do, what's another, I'll think of all the words we use for money. And you and I talked about our first podcast means, right? So there's a means, it's a process, right? That's why we call it a means. It's not an end, it's a means, but that wasn't the word, although it has a similar feel, currency. And what he was saying is currency is an electrical term, right? There's a current. current. Yep. And that's what money is. And whether or not that was um, chosen for that reason, but it was articulated because that's what we know money is, is there's a flow. And it's interesting. He talked about water. Water flowing is life-sustaining, right? Stagnant water is life-destroying. The moment water becomes stagnant, stuck, it becomes toxic. Don't drink from it. And if you want something to become meaningful in your life, you must find the right flow. It's not that you just let it all go and spend it. And it's not that you hoard it. It's that you have this healthy relationship of ebb and flow with, with everything in life, with your time, with your resources, with your money. So it isn't about accumulating and it isn't about not having. It's about finding the right currency, the rhythm with that money. Isn't that beautiful? It is. It, I, I like I like that analogy of current and in the flow, and you, you know I suppose you could even think about that in sense of whether it's a river, whether it's electricity flowing, has to, has to flow somewhere, right? You have to decide where you want to flow your your energy, which is basically when you boil it down to as you mentioned, it really is your time that gets translated into some sort of work or some sort of to energy, right? Mm -hmm. Your energy and time become productive capacity to create something. And you better be crystal clear about what you want to produce. Now, you know, there are the basics in life. You, you know, you have to be able to kind of a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, safety and eat. And, you know, that's a different issue where, talking sort of about the next levels, right? Of you kind of look towards some sort of end state vision, self-actualization, trying to reach the next levels mentally, physically, emotionally. Like you said to me, you know, it struck me too, you know, money and morals and direction and trying to put that whole piece together. So you, you have true meaning. Mm -hmm. And if you can, if you can get that, like you said, I think the people the people who, who do are able to do that have a lot of um, happiness in their lives as a result. Yeah, something working with you um, 
Well, you know, kind of uh, just being candid, Michael's my financial planner has been for almost two decades now. Working with you, I've really come to appreciate the nature of flow, of currency, of energy, of money, because, you know, there's, I'm, I'm just a novice in the money space. And my natural reaction, you hear something like Robin Hood, right? And like, by uh, GameStop. This is, by the way, not a not an endorsement of GameStop. Don't you know? We don't endorse that message. I don't know anything about investing, but I know that there was a craze for like a week around GameStop, and everything in me as a novice says, "Parketing GameStop, Michael." You know, and you say, "You know, look, B, you handle the spiritual, I'll handle the money, and here's why we wouldn't put any or all in GameStop because there's a rhythm and a flow, and right now there's too much energy." going into one space in the sector. And what we found out afterwards was it was inorganic, right? And we've got to start listening, take a longer view. You've really helped me see a longer view. How's the water flowing down the mountain? Not where are we today? Where's the market today? And so really kind of along these lines of energy and flow, I think you've whether you've realized it or not, you've really helped me. I'm sure you help others see that kind of big picture of natural flow, translating it to money. Well, I think, you know, I appreciate the, the thoughts there. And you've helped me, like I said, look at that from a more holistic wisdom and ancient wisdom perspective, because I look at it like the old Warren Buffett quote, and I'm, I'm obviously not exactly the master of exact quotes, but, you know, the reason you have shade today is someone planted a tree a hundred years ago, right? Or a, a seed. The person didn't even know, right, that you were going to have the shade, but decided to plant a forest or a seed or that type of thing. And, and, and to your point, it's a lot easier to work through the noise, the ups and downs, the chaos, the pain, when you have, to your point, the purpose. And connecting that to the soul, which is a, it's a bigger thought than money, right? It encompasses so much of you know, the universe. And if you can encompass that, then say, well, we're doing this for a 50 year plan or 20 year plan or 10 year plan. So what's the difference? What happens maybe this year, right? You can't always do that, but the, knowing that you have a view, whether it's, you know, Hey, your family, your grandchildren, your children, your neighbors, your friends, the world, whatever your purpose may be, it's a lot easier if you if you know that to be able to, you know, work through the roller coaster of anything that comes at you. Because you've helped me. That's what I do now. At first, I'd be like, yeah, hey, my GameStop might have been, hey, it might be a good play for the day. I actually reverse it now and rethink it and say, well, what's our long-term plan? What's the 20-year, 30-year plan first? Mm-hmm. Well, do I want to do GameStop or any trade financially in the context of the long-term plan first, Hmm. not vice versa. So, you know, that's what Dr. Frankel talks about the difference between living your life in reaction and living your life in response, or he would say responsible, response, able, able to respond. And what the markets, you know, really just show is how most of the time we're reacting and, you know, good financial planners and, and people who approach it and really understand the market, understand that you don't react that in life. And, you know, I help people do that outside of money when, when bad things happen to good people, when they hit those life's crossroads and the first reaction is to run it's, it's fight or flight. 
you know, it's just primal. And so we do that with money. We do that with all kinds of things in life. And, and both of us in our work help people not react, catch their breath, which is interesting. This is a crossover spiritual financial. The word for soul in Hebrew, neshama, is breathing. And that's just energy. And if you hold your breath, no good. If you just let your breath go, no good. It's energy. You got to find the rhythm. And when life presents to you these fight or flight, these fearful moments around money or whatever, you don't hold your breath and you don't let it go. You find a rhythm, right? You catch your breath, you respond, you move forward methodically, staying on track with your why, enduring your how. And I feel like that's what this podcast, our relationship manifest in this podcast is really all about. Do you endorse that message? I love the message because I think that's the hardest thing in the world to do is naturally when stress hits you, I don't care if it's on the battlefield. I don't care if it's the stock market, even worse if it's your personal life, because that's worse than both of those things in many ways. Hmm. Your immediate reaction is, is biological. And to overcome that, your, you know, temptations of things, the stock market's like going to the amusement park or going to the track or, you know, casino. It can be a lot of fun. It's exhilarating, right? It gives you the adrenaline. That's why people watch, you know, CNBC and Kramer and love it, right? Because it, it, it biologically, I think it's adrenaline. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm just a, you know, financial planner, not a, you know, I'm not Dr. Fauci here on how it actually works. But I think it's adrenaline that drives people in the stock market, the excitement or, you know, fear if it goes down, you know, endorphins. So of course it's exciting to watch money go up, right? It's exciting to play the lottery. And I love that part of it too. Of course, you don't want to remove the excitement of the challenge, right? As long as it's framed properly, like, hey, this isn't, we're not going to gamble. It's, it's a challenge to be harnessed. Because to your point, if you want to react every day, if the market goes down and panic, there are plenty of studies that show that that's, you know, probably the worst type of, you know, people who get out during the down cycles, you know, miss the up cycles and the behavioral part of that. So to the extent that, you know, your kid on the couch is an excellent, you know, spiritualist or meditates, hey, if you can translate that to the money aspect of the world, the, the, that's your intersection that you're talking about, right? If you can be the Dalai Lama of money to be perfectly calm during up and down cycles, you'll probably be make the most money. And I'll point to, since you're from the home state, you're, you know, your buddy and hometown gentleman, Warren Buffett. Yeah. Yeah. The Oracle of Omaha. Um, I've never seen him flustered. I mean, he's in his, I think nineties now, but seriously, the market crashes all the time. They get him on them even during the pandemic. Well, we've been through World War One. We've been through this. We, you know, he's looking at the. He, he always talks about long-term strategy, and yeah, he he's had great. He returns. knows his why. He knows his why. He does. He's always looking to the long term. He's buying businesses that have meaning for the long term, and I honestly think he's the oracle for a reason. His businesses have substance. He's always looking for the long term. He's always hiring good management and good people. He's doing that intersection of, of all that. I'm not saying he's perfect or he makes all the right decisions or you agree with everything. Of course not. But there's something about, they call him the Oracle and that's the North star. It's the, he, ha, he has a purpose. And 
I don't think he has to. In fact, he's an interesting case because he has all the money in the world, almost literally. He lives pretty modestly, right? He, does. he goes into McDonald's drive-thru, probably drives himself on what, three fifty a day to buy his McMuffin. I uh, grew up down the street from him. Yeah, and you know he's obviously not doing it to just accumulate more money, but he's created jobs, he's created value, he's created calm for the society, he's done a lot of other things, and and that's kind of an interesting you know approach. Just not everyone who makes a lot of money is is quite like that. Because for Buffett, and we'll have a, I'm sure many conversations maybe dedicated to him. It's not about money. He's even giving it away. I mean, like 99 point something percent, which is, you know, kids still have more than enough because it's not about money. It's about energy. It's about creation of flow for himself, for others, for the world. And he's attached to his why, not the how. And that's the point. Yeah. I I love, you know, and and you're the expert on, on creation and soul. But that's such a powerful concept of money creation and soul, you know, soul and creation is because really the money is the after it's the, it's the result of creation of something. And the soul is the result of creation of something. I, I, I think I'll, I'll defer to you on any, anything that relates to, um, you know, those, those philosophical areas. But I think that, you know, creation, money, soul piece of it is, you know, what people are exploring in, in the end state of what, we're creating something for the purpose of what? And, uh, you know, that may change over time, but it's certainly such a worthwhile endeavor. I I love thinking about it because it's hard. It is hard to nail down because it's, I can't even articulate sometimes in just a sentence or two, but the thinking of the thinking and the thinking of the purposes just seems so, so valuable. And I think that's probably a good place to wrap up. I've wrote down like four or five more topics. I think every, every um, podcast we have, we're going to generate five new ones. So we'll never run out of uh, things to create and talk about, but I feel like that's a a really great uh, ending point only because um, it's about empowerment, right? No matter what somebody takes away from this podcast, my hope for them, whether it's in the financial realm, the spiritual realm, personal realm, it doesn't matter, is that they feel like they have more tools, more resources, they've thought it through, and then they go into the battlefield of life, and it can be a battlefield with just a feeling of, I don't know what's on this battlefield, but I do know that I've thought a little bit about it, and I have some new tools and strategies and tricks and ways to approach it. And if they can feel empowered, I know in my life, that's all I really can ever ask for. And and that's partially what Michael, what you've done for me in my life around money is helping me feel empowered. So thank you. No, thank you. You've made me actually think about the purpose of why I do this and why I help people do this and in the bigger meaning, which helps people feel better because I realized when I was doing it, that yeah, we can do the dollars and cents, but that wasn't getting people to really where they needed to be in so many cases. So thank you. Thank you. And I'm sorry about what I called you when you wouldn't let me invest in GameStop. I apologize about that. Yeah, You're, you're forgiven. <laughs> um, so we're going to have many more podcasts, God willing. And this is really just our first official Money and Soul podcast. 
We look forward to uh, our growing audience. If you like what you've heard, please share it with your friends, with your uh, with your loved ones, with your colleagues. Um, leave us a five-star review if you enjoy this and shoot us an email. All of the contact information is in the are in the show notes or at the end of this, you can contact Michael, you can contact me. Otherwise, we'll see you next time on Money and Soul Podcast. You've been listening to the Money and Soul Podcast with Michael Feiner and Rabbi B. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Michael or work with him in your financial planning, visit Feiner.com. And if you'd like to learn more about Rabbi B or work with him to discover deeper meaning in your life, please visit MySoulCentered.org. Until the next time, get out there and live financially and spiritually.